0: Welcome to Toward Today Ministries, and our continuing series called Pardon My Jargon, where I delve into some of the jargon, at least jargon I grew up with in the evangelical church. And we try to uh, analyze it to figure out what is the biblical concept behind it, if there is one, and to bring it into greater clarity so we can use common language that the people around us will understand. If you've been following along in this series, you know it's my contention that there is no religious jargon in the Bible at all. From Genesis to Revelation, everything is written in the street vernacular so that the common man could understand what was written. Unfortunately, we've turned many of these terms into religious terms, and unless you're one of the initiated, you don't understand what people are talking about. So, in this week's Uh, episode, I would like to cover the term that was used in the church where I grew up, and maybe or maybe not in the community you grew up in, and that's the term soul-winning. You know, growing up in the the Baptist church, and uh, I hope you don't hear me attacking Baptists. That's not my position here. Uh, I owe a lot to the Baptist church in which I was raised. But uh, there were some terminology and concepts and some theology that I've had since to, to go back and and uh, and adjust, let me put it that way. But one of the terms we used often was the term soul winning. We had the concept that if I could talk to someone who didn't know God and get them to pray a particular prayer, to ask Jesus into their heart, then through that they got pushed across the line from being eternally damned to going to heaven when they die. And then we would say, we've won a soul. The thing is, the master never told us to go out and make converts. He told us to go out and make disciples, Talmudim, students. In other words, to take people and invest time in their lives, teaching them about the master, about King Messiah, So they could model their lives after his and go out and not make converts, but go out and train others and go out and change the world. That's what God's called us to do. So soul winning is uh, is what we wanted to discuss because if you can do that, I think you have won a soul. Now the interesting thing about this term soul winning is that it is found nowhere in the Apostolic Scriptures. In the Apostolic Writings, or the New Testament Writings, you will not find one single reference to soul winning. The only place in the Bible where you do find a reference to winning souls is back in the book of Proverbs. Now I wanted to stop there for just a second. You know, in the community I was raised in, soul winning was dependent on having the gospel of Jesus Christ. Unless you can get a person to accept Jesus as their Savior, there's no chance of winning their soul. So how in the world could you go back a thousand years before Yeshua was even born and win souls? How could such a thing be done if the gospel had not yet been given? Well, let's take a look at that. Here's the passage. It's Proverbs 1130. It says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who is wise wins souls. He who is wise wins souls. It doesn't necessarily mean that, now if you're wise, this is what you're going to do. It seems to indicate that if you're wise, this is the byproduct of your wisdom. Through living a wise life, souls are won. But what is this term to win souls? When we use the word win, it sounds like a competition. You know, people are running a race and one person wins. Or you win souls by somehow convincing them to something and you win them over to your way of thinking. But that's not really the essence of the word that's used here. The word that is used to translate when is the word l'chak, l'chak. It's a very, very, very common word in Hebrew, used 975 times in the Tanakh. And uh, when you learn Hebrew, this is one of the first words you learn l'chak, which in the simplest form simply means to take. But the word to take can have a lot of different shadings. You can take someone's wallet. I don't recommend it, but you could take a wallet. You could take ill. You could take a wife, take a job, Uh, take up sewing or wood carving. So the word take has a, a wide array of applications in both English and in Hebrew. And they have pretty much the same meanings in both languages. So, what does it mean to take souls? A wise person taking souls? Well, I have found that a key to understanding the Scriptures is to go back to the very first place a word is used, <clears throat> because that usually reveals the essence of that word. So, let's go back to the first place that the word lakach is used, and that would be in Genesis 2.15. First occurrence of lakach. the Adonai God lakach He took the man, that's Adam, and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and guard it. I know we tend to have this misconception that Adam was created in the Garden. He wasn't. He was created outside the Garden. And then after he was formed and life was breathed into him, God placed him in the Garden. When Adam and Eve sinned, They were then evicted from the garden. But the very first time we find the word Lachach, God is taking man and bringing him to the garden, to the place where he has sweet and intimate fellowship with his Creator. That's what winning souls is bringing people back to the garden, bringing back. People to the place where they can walk and talk with God and know Him. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned, they had to leave the garden. So, what we're doing uh, through Yeshua, He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So, now the way is opened back to the garden. When He cried out on the cross, it is finished. And when He uh, when he dismissed his spirit from his body, when he died, it says that the curtain in the temple was torn in half from top to bottom. That curtain, that veil, and Hebrew it's called the parachet, had cherubim on it. They were woven in to that veil. Just as cherubim guarded the way back into the Garden of Eden, the cherubim on the veil kept people from coming into the Holy of Holies. But when Yeshua died... The sins of the world were dealt with, and now the cherubim part. And it's like God's saying, the way back into my presence, the way back to the garden, the way back to the tree of life is once again opened. So to win souls is to do what God did with Adam in Genesis 2.15, to bring him, bring a person back to the garden and to fellowship with God. And what are they to do there? The same things that Adam had to do. He had to cultivate it, and he had to guard it. Discipleship is all about learning how to cultivate using the talents and gifts you have to make the garden as fruitful as possible, to make the seed multiply, to weed the garden, and to protect it, to protect it from things that would come and destroy, from things that would come and and steal. And uh, that's probably another teaching for another time. But once a person is brought to the garden, once a soul is won, he has work to do. But it's eternal, blessed work that has fruit for all time. So um, the best verse I know of about soul winning is Genesis 2.15. Now, this word, l'chaq, is, uh, is used in another place. And I think this is a wonderful example of soul winning. And it's also in Genesis Genesis 12, 5, when God, God called Abram out of the land of Ur, it says, And Abram took Lachach, Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions. And the word for possessions here in Hebrew refers not just to possessions, but mostly to the cattle, the living things, the animals that they had amassed. That they had gathered and the souls that they had made in Haran. They made souls in Haran. You usually think of the souls being born. But it refers here, and this is what the Hebrew says, the souls that they, Abram and Sarai, made in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Now, again here, we see Abram, or I'm going to call him Abraham, we see him taking people and bringing them into the land of promise, to the promised land, the holy land, as God took Adam and brought him to the garden. And in the holy land, there's work to do. There are battles to be fought. There's land to be claimed. And um, there, there's a lot of work. And there's a lot of adventure. But that's the homeland, bringing these people home. And so we see Abram doing this, at the very beginning of his walk with God, he took the souls that he had made, the souls he had taught about this one God who is not like the gods of Babylon, a God who's not represented by idols, but the God who's the creator of heaven and earth, the God who is the creator of man and who made man in his image and has given man purpose and wants sweet and deep fellowship. With humankind. Abram told people about this and these souls that he made, he brought with him. Later on, when um, Lot and his family settle in Sodom and they get into a world of trouble, who goes and rescues Lot and his family? Abraham does. With his army, hundreds of men, who were these men who went with him, who fought by his side to rescue Lot's family. These are the souls he made in Haran. These are men who become warriors. Anyways, I could make this teaching an hour long or I could keep it short and hopefully sweeter that way. But I just want to initiate a new way of thinking about what soul winning is and to impress upon you that it's something that is found early in the scriptures, in the Torah, in the first book of the Torah. And then in Proverbs, Solomon tells us that the wise person wins souls. Let's quit trying to just push people across some kind of a finish line and to pray a prayer that, you know, wipe your hands, say, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go on to the next one. That's not winning a soul. That's not making a disciple. And Messiah wants us to make disciples, to make Talmudim, to make students. Students who will model their lives after Him, who will learn His ways, His words, and live them out, out of a devoted love to their Messiah and Savior. So let's be about the right work. And only in this way can we bring people back to the garden. So I hope this has been a blessing to you. I have one more teaching planned for this series. It'll be number 16, and it'll be on the word holy, kadosh, or agioi in in Greek. And uh, once I finish that, this series, I think, will be complete unless you write to me and say, hey, here's a term I'd like you to talk about. So until then, until the next episode, I wish you shalom, and may God bless. Thank you for joining us for today's teaching. If the work of Torah Today Ministries has touched your life, please consider making a donation or sponsoring an upcoming video. As a video sponsor, you'll have an exclusive opportunity to memorialize a family member, celebrate a special event, or simply support the ongoing creation of similar content. Your tax-deductible contribution helps ensure that our teachings continue to reach all who are longing for truth. Click the link or visit our website to learn more. That's a good suit for that.